Thanks to Indeed for supporting the AppleBits XL. You can trust Indeed as a hiring partner because they want the same thing that you do, finding quality candidates. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome for everyone that is new. This is the show where we cover all of kind of the latest, the big stories around the Apple world and the tech, greater tech world as a whole. So thanks for coming out. Thanks for hanging out with me. And we're doing it every week. This is a weekly show. And this is episode 205. That is insane. 205, I think. I'm actually creeping up on almost four years of being independent, and that's all thanks to you. Now, let's get to some of the orders of business here first. First of all, to be a part of the show, call in. You all have not been calling recently, but I know there's not much really happening right now. But all you got to do is record a voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com is where you send it to. You can record it on your phone, your laptop, your tablet, whatever platform, applebitsshow.com. That's AppleBits with a Z at gmail.com. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can support this show. It starts at $2 per month, goes up to $5, which is like a cup of coffee. You got the 10 the 25 the $100 platinum Apple level. And what does that get you? Early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. Plus, we're doing a special Closure Rings contest only for my Patreon supporters, and we are giving away three exclusive Apple employee closure ring towels that they gave away internally to employees that you can only get if you participate in this Patreon-only closure rings challenge. So check it out. It starts February 14th. So if you listen to this and you want to be a part of it, jump over. It starts at $2 per month. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you're part of that and everything, and it supports everything that I do. All right, let's get to the stories this week. We got some good ones. We got some fun ones. Obviously, no major, major product announcements happening, but Apple did do a couple big things that they officially announced through their newsroom website, which is kind of their main portal to making key announcements via a PR, a press release. So Apple is going head on and really facing this whole AirTag stocking issue and concerns. And they're making specific changes to AirTags and the Find My Network. Now, these changes are going to be coming over the course of this year. So they're not happening at the moment. But what Apple wanted to say is really that, hey, AirTags, they're designed to help people locate their personal things. They're not made to track people. So they're implementing new changes that will be rolling out sometime this year to make that clear. And they really want to just, they're doing tweaks here. So there's, I guess you'd say four or five areas that they're making these changes. One is a new privacy warning. The other is improved alerts, precision finding updates, AirTag sound changes, and improved tracking alert logic. So I'm going to dig into at least those main kind of categories just a little so that we have a better understanding of, okay, if they're making these changes, what's really happening? So first of all, there's a new privacy warning once anyone sets up any type of air tag and it's going to be this will this specific feature will be coming in an upcoming software update there will be a new message that clearly states when you set up an air tag that an air tag is meant to track belongings not for tracking 
people were stalking. It also is going to make clear that an AirTag is linked specifically to your Apple ID and that law enforcement can actually request this identifying information from Apple in relationship to AirTags. So that's kind of one of those those uh, stop gates to say, hey, if you're going to do this, just know, even if you set up another account or whatnot, it's still going to be linked specifically to that account. I think a lot of people that are doing this, they're obviously just putting it on their personal phone and they think, oh, they'll never be able to get it back to me. Well, Apple's making it clear that they will turn over your identifying information. There's also going to be improved alerts. So what happens sometimes right now is that you might have seen some sort of vague, uh, I guess, warning or alert that that would say on your screen, unknown accessory detected on your lock screen and in the Find My application, but it never specified what exactly that accessory was. So this was presented whether it was in relationship to AirPods 3, AirPods Pro, AirPods Max, even a third-party Find My accessory if something was located near them. Well, now Apple's going to make this a lot more clear and identify the exact accessory so you know if an unknown pair of AirPods Pro is going to be moving with you. You know if it's an AirTag. It's going to specifically say that instead of saying unknown accessory detected, which is really generic and ambiguous. So that's a change that's also going to help out to let you know what's happening. Apple's also investigating a series of updates. So this this part here has to do with precision finding updates that it plans to introduce later this year. Support for using precision finding feature for locating an unknown AirTag. So right now with precision finding, let's say you have um, an AirTag on your keychain. You can get it literally to within inches, right? Centimeters of, you can be right on top of that. Your, your phone has that green arrow and it points you within range of where this is. They're gonna implement precision finding for locating an unknown air tag. That was not the case before. So currently it's for locating something that might be lost that is linked to your Apple ID and not to an unknown air tag. That's important as well. The other thing, air tag sound changes. So they're expanding air tags existing safety feature Currently, the item tracker emits a sound after it's been separated from you at a random time within an interval of eight hours and 24 hours. So they're gonna do a feature change coming later this year. Apple says that when an AirTag automatically starts emitting the sound, iOS will also show an alert on nearby iPhones. So this will allow users to take quick action, including playing the sound again or using precision finding to find this. Now, this will help in the situations where air tags may be in a location where it's harder to hear, or if the air tag speaker has been tampered with, they're also going to be adjusting the tone sequence of the air tag um, sound to use its loudest tones, so it should make an unknown air tag more easily findable. So I like this precision finding for an unknown uh, air tag, the ability to identify specifically what is the unknown accessory near you, and increasing the sound or the, giving it the loudest tone, these should all make these issues if someone is being tracked to be able to find this. Because we've heard of people maybe seeing something that's near them, but they can't even find them because it could be taped under somewhere in the car or the speaker's been tampered with. That makes it really hard to find. The final part of this is improved tracking alert logic. So Apple wants to continue to improve its 
tracking alert system when you have an unwanted air tag near you. So it's going to update its unwanted tracking alert system to notify users earlier that an unknown air tag or find my network accessory might be traveling with them. So that that ideally it's pinging faster instead of, you know, maybe that 8 hours to 24 hour window. That that's a little longer. They didn't say specifically what time, but at least it's with an earlier window of time. So I love all these kind of small tweaks that mattered. I think Apple took the right approach to this. I said this from the start of taking their time with AirTags. And we knew we know that people are going to use these things for crappy reasons and bad reasons. But by figuring this out, Apple said they've even been talking with law enforcement officials in to find out the different situations and how AirTags have been used in these bad cases so that they can identify the specific tweaks to make. So I think this is really great. Again, the timeline around the launch is coming soon in a future update. I actually thought that we would hear about software updates for the AirTags at this rumored spring, March, April event, which has now been narrowed down, at least according to Mark Gurman from Bloomberg. He's saying that at least Apple is targeting March 8th for this rumored iPhone SE third gen and iPad Air event that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks to be happening. So the fact that they're releasing this now in a press release, I've got to imagine maybe they'll address it at the keynote and then maybe throw some other new features as well. For me, I really hope they incorporate family sharing as a new feature on the AirTags alongside with these uh, safety concerns and tracking concerns. That, that would be That would be a nice kind of comprehensive, let's say, version 2.0 software for the AirTags. But you know they're taking it head on. They're not. They're not just throwing it out there. We we've kind of actually heard more and more increasing stories about how they're being used to follow people back to their homes and then uh do ba- do horrible things to people's homes. So I think this is the right approach. It may be not as quick as people wanted, but I think they're doing the right things and they have. I do believe they have the best intentions in rolling this out. Also, Apple announced. Directly from them, tap to pay will allow iPhones to accept contactless payments without additional hardware. We talked about this, I believe, on last week's show, where reportedly Apple may or may not do a software update where you can now, instead of using for vendors, for food trucks, you know, for any transaction that you want to do, instead of doing having like a square, you know, one of those plastic devices on there one of those readers or using Stripe's hardware, you can now directly just go phone to phone. Apple said the feature will launch in the US later this year. It'll allow merchants to accept contactless payments through supported iOS apps using an iPhone XS or newer. So there'll be a prompt at checkout from a merchant. Just hold your iPhone or Apple Watch. You can even hold your contactless credit or debit card, right? Those cards have the tap to pay chip or another digital wallet near merchant's phone, and the payment will securely be completed using NFC technology. I love this. This is like another subtle, but the less friction, the better, you know, way of transferring funds to each other. I've also got to imagine that Apple's going to make a small cut of this transaction. I've got to imagine that's part of this as well. So one of the first platforms that's going to support this right out of the gates 
Stripe is actually already launching their own tap to pay on iPhone beta program ahead of this release, which is expected sometime in spring. So my hunch is maybe we'll see the software a software update at the Apple Spring event, which also would officially roll out iOS 15.4, which is currently in beta. So Stripe, they're having a closed beta. It's a sign-up form available on its website, and they said that the feature is coming this spring. So Apple, you know, the true, we've seen how Apple Pay and contactless payments are now, people are used to it, people like it, people are comfortable with that behavior. I do need to remind you that this was happening in Japan in 2005 when I was there. And there was a fingerprint scanner on even a flip phone for authentication. This was happening in 2005. So, you know, it took us 17 years or so to catch up, but that's all right. We're finally here. We're finally here. So those were the two big official announcements from Apple, the AirTag changes and tap to pay coming soon to allow direct payment from iPhone to iPhone. If you want to talk about hardware, you know, the spring event, iPhone SE third generation, new iPad Air. Okay, nice, kind of a a nice warm up for the year, but nothing that's going to shake things up yet. We don't know what other M2 processor based Macs we will see, if we see any at all. There is a report from Digitimes that Apple will launch and take, I am taking this with a grain of salt. Apple will launch its first MacBook Pro featuring a second generation M2 Apple processor at the spring event next month, according to what they believe their supply chain report is saying. Now, we have heard stories over probably the six months that Apple was looking to introduce some sort of entry-level MacBook Pro design without the M1 Max, without the M1 Pro, and it is weird and seems confusing for consumers to say, hey, we have this entry-level M2, but we have the M1 Max and M1 Pro. Now, yes, there is a 13-inch M1 MacBook Pro out on the market because that is what they launched alongside the Mac Mini with the very first Macs using Apple's own silicon. So eventually, yes, there will be an M2 MacBook Pro out there. I don't know if we're going to really see it here. This seems to be a little flimsy report. They don't mention the exact size of the MacBook Pro. They only say a Pro model. The The original M1 chip, again, is a 13-inch MacBook Pro. Well, we have a 14 and a 16. Are they really going to do a 13 M2? That, that'll be interesting. I, I've got to imagine we'll get some sort of a if they're going to put in a new Apple Silicon processor, we also got to see a new design. Even if it, it doesn't make sense for me to see a 13 old design with an M2 and then the new design with the M1 Max and M1 Pro. So either way, if this entry-level MacBook Pro is to be, an M2 chip will be inside it. And that's what all signs are pointing to. But we just don't know if we're going to see it in spring. This Digitimes report says spring. I've got to imagine it, it would come sometime later this year. And it would be kind of interesting to see it before the air 
right? We had the MacBook Air with an M1, the MacBook Pro with an M1, and the Mac Mini with the M1 when the when the line first launched. So will we see that entire lineup, you know, from an entry level standpoint, get launched with an M2? It's still still fuzzy TBD. All right, in in other news in the tech world that affects Apple, obviously if you saw or have heard, Samsung finally launched its new Galaxy S22 phone lineup and its new Galaxy Tab S8 lineup. The Galaxy S21 Ultra of last year was was from a hardware standpoint the best phone of the year. I mean, depending on your ecosystem and, you know, other considerations, you might think differently, but you know, when it had a phone with a fingerprint sensor in screen that was flawless with my use, it had a freaking 10x optical zoom, it had USB-C, and it had a gorgeous 6.8-inch OLED display. From a hardware standpoint, you, you, you have to just be objective and lean in and just say, dude, the, the S21 Ultra was an amazing phone. So they released their new lineup. And what matters here is that the S22 Ultra is improved, you know, faster processor, uh, improved cameras from what they're telling us. We'll have to see what the camera tests bear out. But the S22 Ultra also is now noteworthy. And I say that because they're incorporating a built-in S Pen in the 22 Ultra. So whether you use the S Pen or not, this is like the successor of merging the DNA of the S21 Ultra with a Galaxy Note and putting in one prod- product, still has the 120 hertz refresh rate between one hertz and 120. The iPhone 13 Pro, I believe, goes as low as 10 hertz. So with that variable refresh rate, you would think that who knows how much battery savings you're actually getting, but one hertz is lower than 10 hertz, which requires less energy for it to do. You have The S22 and the S22 Plus, those are kind of their mid-range phones at 6.1 inches and 6.6 inches. But again, the S22 Ultra is still a beast, still from a hardware standpoint, superior with features from a hardware standpoint compared to what we see in the iPhone 13 Pro. You know, even if you have an A15 Bionic chip on there, um, they're using Snapdragon's new Gen, uh, Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 processor chip that's also a beast. But for me, it always comes down to the creative creation of content. I, I was covering the event uh, for spec products and I was using, you know, my iPad and my MacBook Pro and my iPhone to like capture different content and use Photoshop and send files over to each other and iMessage them and edit them through Instagram. And it was that's the power of the seamless ecosystem of just moving these files seamlessly. I just couldn't do that nearly in the same way even if the phone standalone is superior like i just couldn't i can't those ecosystem hooks just don't work the other the other big big announcement galaxy has their new tab s8 ultra so this is their flagship tablet the biggest thing that it has going against them is that it doesn't have nearly the robust app support on android that um, apple's ecosystem does whether you're timeout you know games media content, creation content. But they're releasing a 14.6-inch OLED display with a 120 hertz refresh rate for the Galaxy Tab S8 Ultra. Now, when I hear 14.6 inches on an OLED, because 
I also need to point out that their display for last year's Galaxy Tab 7, S7 was an OLED display, and it was the best tablet display on the market. So we know Apple's not doing OLED anytime soon. There are rumors that they will be in the future, but a 14.6-inch, I'm the guy who bought the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. A 14.6-inch? That gets me juice. That's even bigger. The fun thing, it does have a notch. They have dual 12-megapixel front cameras on the front. The Tab S8 Ultra, their flagship one, has has a notch. I just want to let you all know that. Um, it supports the S Pen, Wi-Fi 60 knot, but I thought that they were doing, you know, they're they're doing things that I like it when companies are doing things that Apple isn't doing. It gets me excited. It, it pushes things forward. It levels up the competition. Is it gonna is the Galaxy Tab S8 Ultra all of a sudden gonna outsell the iPad? No. Definitely not in in the US and most likely definitely not in the entire world. But you know, the Samsung brand is kind of keep on building this ecosystem that they have. And for people that aren't content creators, there's a whole lot to like and love. I mean, even if you are a content creator, they they have a great camera, but I'm just saying the seamless interaction between your laptop and your iPad and your phone, that matters. And that's that's the biggest reason why I'm doing I'm still in the Apple ecosystem. But man, I love what they're doing. The S21 Ultra last year was amazing, so I can't wait to get my hands on the S22 Ultra. I pre-ordered it just like everyone else who would normally be buying it. I did not get early access to it this year. It's okay. I'll live. But there you go. Samsung's big announcements. And uh, we'll see how they have, you know, will there be a big market dynamic change? Probably not. But will, will there be a little bit of change? Maybe. All right. Thanks to Indeed for sponsoring this podcast. If you dream it, you can do it, right? Well, if only self-fulfilling prophecies worked for hiring for your team, when you partner with Indeed, building the right team is that simple. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed's the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and then you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. The feature that I love the most is the one that's going to really save you the most time. If you're looking for help, it's got to be Instant Match because your time is precious. Your time is money, y'all. Now, with Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job posts, according to Indeed data. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash AppleBits to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, last week we talked about iOS 15.4, how they released the first beta, which had the ability for Face ID to de- detect you and auth- authenticate you while even wearing a mask, uh, universal control with the Mac and the iPad for iPad OS 15.4, 
and uh, Mac OS 12.3 Monterey Beta was also a part of that. Um, plus, emojis! I love saying that. Well, they just released iOS 15.4 Beta 2 this week, and there's some tweaks. Um, we obviously talked about how Apple's introducing the tap to pay on iPhone feature. So that's coming along with the second beta of iOS 15.4. And we talked about earlier how there's already going to be vendors that are going to be part of this beta program just to test it out. So tap to pay on iPhone is enabled in the iOS 15.4 beta 2, but it does require third-party providers to add support. So it's not available technically to use right now, but the interface is there. We also have a face ID with mask tweaks. So we already know that now you can wear a mask with the new face ID. Um, You might be prompted though to look down to unlock your device. That's if you're holding your phone lower than eye level. So it's a subtle tweak that they make. There's also preparation for digital IDs in the wallet app. Um, That's for digital IDs and driver's licenses in iOS 15.4. We talked about how that was a feature that was coming sometime in 2022. There are... There isn't a lot of evidence right now, but there's a mention of the feature in the past kit code that was found in the iOS 15.4 beta. Also, code confirms that Apple's gonna be adding support for what we call captive Wi-Fi networks on the HomePod. So that allows it to use a HomePod in a situation where there's a web portal or an additional signup step to access Wi-Fi. And where do you have that a lot? Like at hotels, or with your traveling, you know, even dorms, or if you're on the go. So that looks like captive Wi-Fi network support is coming to the HomePod in iOS 15.4, but it currently exists in iOS 15.4 beta 2. So we have that. Obviously, I told you about Face ID with the mask, universal control, new emojis, and other tweaks. So that is what's happening in iOS 15.4 beta 2, but also... There's other kind of little software leaks that are maybe Apple's showing their cards a little too much with these leaks. There is a new reference to Reality OS for Apple's rumored AR VR headset that was found referenced in source code. It's been found in the App Store upload logs and Apple's open source code this week. And you know, we had heard long time ago, what, geez, a year ago, maybe two. I think Mark Bloomberg had called it out that they were calling it internally ROS, which stood for Reality OS. Well, now it's actually been revealed in these hooks found in the software and the source code. So, well, not in the software itself, but found in the source code. You know, all reports have said that Apple's working on at least two augmented reality projects that include an augmented reality headset to be released either late 2022 or, as we've heard most recently, um, pushed out to 2023. And then, hopefully, down the road, a sleeker pair of augmented reality glasses would be coming at a later date. So, there were had been reports that Apple wanted to, again, create its own app store for their headset, which makes sense. Things... You know, we know the Oculus Quest. Oh, sorry, not Oculus. Meta Quest has their own headset, right? But Apple's App Store would focus on gaming and streaming video content and video conferencing, but not the metaverse. Apple is continuing to say, no, we're not doing the metaverse. Tim Cook even said in his uh, recent earnings report, he didn't even use the word metaverse at all, but that 
Apple's obviously exploring and looking into that space. Android Apple Music beta code refers to an unreleased Apple app in the music space called Apple Classical. It was, again, this was released in Apple Music's beta app for Android. So this, you know, we've talked about, I even think I talked about this last week as well. Apple had acquired classical music streaming service Primephonic, uh, I believe sometime, was it in August of last year? It has specific features to search and browse specifically that's optimized for classical music. So Apple had said once they did that acquisition that they would be rolling in the best parts of Primephonic within Apple Music. So within the Apple Music beta on Android, lines of code discovered by 9to5Google revealed that it would be called Apple Classical. I mean, who who would have guessed that? I, I... no one would have thought it could have been that, could it? Yeah, obviously it could. But Apple Classical, coming soon. Looking forward to it. Honestly, I, I think that's, it's just kind of a, it, I guess it could be its own app or it's a, maybe it's even its own tab within the app. We'll see how they, we'll see how they play it out. If we're sticking with music, if you want to know how dominant Apple has been in the U.S., Apple leads the headphone market with AirPods and Beats. And that might sound like a broad statement, but this is based on a Statista survey. And they broke it down by interviewing or surveying over 4,000 people in the U.S. And based on those 4,000 people, it revealed that AirPods account for about 34.4 of the headphone share in the U.S. But then it becomes even larger when you add on Beats, which came in second place with a 15.3% share. So if you do the math, you're talking about Apple roughly owning 49.7% of the U.S. headphone market. So let's just call it 50%. And everyone has said, oh, is Apple going to kill Beats? Is Apple going to get rid of Beats? In the U.S., Beats is still the second largest headphone company when it comes to market share for products that people own. Now, analysts have thrown out estimates that AirPods themselves have become a $20 billion annual business. Apple's about to reach 100 million units sold of AirPods, and that should happen by the end of this year. Multiple reports you know, also put Apple in first place in these headphone vendor rankings. This is based off a survey, but you know, to me, you, you survey 4,000 people, and who knows what slices of life they are, but you're going to get a pretty good sample size to come to a conclusion. Now, right behind Apple and Beats in third place, Bose with 12.5% market share in the US. That's followed by Samsung with 12.2%. JBL, owned by Samsung, Sony, Skullcandy, and LG also in the top eight ranked positions. So, you know, people, Apple can do more than just slow play these AirPods. I think there was a, a rumor recently, like based off a patent report that, hey, AirPods Max 2 could use touch controls on the headphones. And I saw that and everyone was freaking out like, no, no, I don't want this. Oh, don't do this, Apple. Um, Maybe they're doing it a different way. If, if 
We're getting touch controls that are finally truly responsive, as responsive as a multi-touch experience on our phone screen, and that is adapted somehow and can be used in a better way. Because right now, touch controls on all headphones are piss poor. It's delayed. It's not as accurate. You miss the target. If Apple's going to do it, they're probably... This is not me drinking the Kool-Aid. It would have to be a different type of system or at least a better, more responsive touch control system. So I'm all for it if it happens. Now, are they selling a bunch of AirPods Max? No. Why is that? Because they're still freaking, even on sale, $449. But I will say, I watched the Book of Boba Fett season finale with my AirPods Max connected to an Apple TV. And when I first put them on, I actually thought that I was listening to my home theater system, which sounds really damn good. And I had to pull my AirPods Max off. Like, Wait, is am I just actually listening to my system or the AirPods Max? It 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 was so good that it made me pause to make sure they, they were actually working, if that makes sense. Like that's how good the spatial audio in the AirPods Max for watching content through an Apple TV. It's how damn good it is. So you know, they may not be selling many of those, but I'm just saying they're still quality, excellent headphones, and it just comes down if you're part of the ecosystem and if it makes sense for you. But the only time I wear AirPods Max is not when I'm traveling, is when I now have to watch a program and Shauna, my lady, is sleeping and I can't play things really loud because that'll wake her up because I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And another story that kind of got some buzz and uh, opened up some conversation in the tech world, Tesla design chief (laughs) Franz Van Holzhausen was on uh, Spike's car radio. It was a podcast interview with Spike Fernsten and talking about design. And he jumped in to talk about Apple's design principles and product launches And he outright just said, Apple doesn't deliver something to look forward to. Here's his actual quote, um, which is obviously he works for Tesla and Apple and Tesla actually have kind of their own beef historically over the past few years. But this is what Franz von Holzhausen said. The sad part about Apple products now is like, there's nothing to look forward to. I feel like it's just a continuation. It's just a slight refinement on the same thing inspirationally, it's been hard to get super motivated by what they're doing. He also said that he hates to say it, but when he wears an Apple Watch, he wears it just because of the fitness thing side to it. Otherwise, I haven't really found much purpose to it other than the fitness part. Okay, so let's break this this stuff down here. Um, I think 99% of Apple users will 100% agree about the fact that there's a slight refinement on the same thing. Have they blown us away with any designs recently? If I look back, like even the the iMac killer design, but it's it pays homage to the past. And actually, I think Apple's design philosophy, although not risque, although not groundbreaking anymore, we've seen it. Right, the MacBook Pro, it got more function priority over form. I had this conversation on this podcast a few times. I've talked to people about it because I felt like it was a thing where Apple has now shifted. Their priorities, not that they don't care about both, but they're leaning more towards function than they lean towards form. We see the MacBook Pro, thick, chunky, but more ports, more functionality. Get rid of the touch bar. The MacBook Pro, everyone that creates content loves the new MacBook Pro, loves it. 
I haven't heard a single person who hates it. It's quiet. The battery is ridiculous. The screen is great. All that. It has a notch. That's the only thing. Well, guess what? I bought it, so I'm not going to complain about the notch anymore. The iPhone is the iPhone 4 slightly modernized. The iMac is the iMac slightly modernized. Like, we're not seeing anything that's like, oh my God. The AirPods Max, I thought the design was pretty slick on those. I actually really love the design on those. So that's one one product, a new product that got me excited. The Apple Watch has stayed relatively the same. That's fine. And so it's kind of funny when he says, oh, there's it's just a continuation. Yes, Tesla has these great designs, but you're telling me the Tesla Model S and the Tesla Model 3 look that different? Or the Model X and the Model Y look that different? Those are refinements on the same thing, Mr. Holzhausen. And he's an amazing designer. He can do anything I can't do. Uh, if he's saying, oh, if a bold design or something that's inspirational, well, we know that Tesla has the Cybertruck coming. And depending on who you ask, it's either amazing or it looks like ass. I'm I'm on team ass. I think the Cybertruck, uh, it, it's not appealing to me in any way, shape, or form. I think it's fun how you see really that Apple loyal cult following and those same kind of behaviors. Like when the Cybertruck came out, it was 99% dudes in the audience and they were like, yeah, Cybertruck's so cool. And as delivery times continue to slow, we don't even know when the Cybertruck's actually gonna arrive here. Like we just don't. So bro, you can have a really cool design and you still can't deliver yet. And even for me, the design just looks like ass. It's trying to be, it's trying to be, you know, someone's like, oh, that's, you're not forward thinking. I'm like, that's not that I'm not forward thinking. I just think it looks like ass. <laughs> like, you know what design is really sick? The new freaking Nissan 370Z. Woo! I'm loving that. The 2022 model, I own a 370 from 20, 2009. Oh, that's hot. Rivian? Rivian. Their cars look hot. So I think if we stick around with, yes, is there anything to look forward to from Apple from a design perspective? No, but Tim Cook has also transformed them to one of the most profitable companies of all time. So it depends on how you look at this. I mean, the other thing that you have here is that Apple and Tesla, when I talk about that beef from the past, Elon Musk, back, I don't know how long ago, five, six years ago, he famously said that Apple, he called Apple the Tesla graveyard and said that if you don't make it at Tesla, you go work at Apple. <laughs> Yikes. So there's obviously some competitive beef there. You know, no love lost between them. I, th- I think if I had heard right, Tim Cook and Elon Musk have never met before. I remember reading that somewhere. And that's fine. They don't need to meet. They're kind of doing different things, but... We've seen how hard it is to make a car. Otherwise, Apple's car project would have happened a long time ago. Man, I feel like even as far back as 2000, I don't know, 14 or 15, when there were rumors about Apple making a car, I'm like, this is not, I I said, hey, Apple can make a cool car, but this is not going to be easy. This is not something that you just pick up and make in three years. And we've seen how that is just not happening at all. Who knows what's going to happen in their Apple car project? I have no idea. Are we really going to see a car without a steering wheel from Apple in 2025, which is what the target is? I don't I don't know. I just don't see that unless it's 
a ride at Disneyland where Apple designed the car. I just don't see that. So we'll see what happens. On one quick last story, you know, we're not leaving on a high note, but the iPad Mini 6, great device for what it is. But one of the criticisms with that was that whole jelly scrolling issue where if you scroll it up or down, it kind of does like a little wobble. We've literally seen this happen on other devices throughout time. Um, but Apple is now facing a class action lawsuit from some iPad mini users. So basically what's happening is that half of the display is refreshing slower than the other half. So it kind of, when you scroll it up and down really fast, like you'll see this wobble. And so that's why they call it the jelly scroll. Now, during my review, I pointed out it did not affect, it would not stop me from buying this if it was a device that fit into my life. and. The iPad mini does not. So the issue, obviously, because it's part of it is because it's Apple, it completely blew up uh, during the fall when it was announced. And Apple even outright said, hey, this is normal behavior for the screens that are used in the iPad mini. So some mini users, not too happy about it. The lawsuit has been filed by Christopher Bryan of Colorado. Good old Christopher Bryan, who alleges that this defect of the iPad mini means that the display bends, warps, blurs, and obscures text and images to the point that it is unusable. Um, on the extreme side, some users have reported motion sickness, nausea, vomiting, and migraines. Uh, I haven't heard of that quite uh, very often. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe. I don't know. But either way, the lawsuit is seeking financial relief for anyone who purchased the iPad Mini 6. If you want to go look it up, I'm sure you can find the actual document. But I, I think this has a long way to go. Um, it'll probably fizzle out. I, I don't see this. You're telling me the iPad Mini is truly unusable? Nah, that's definitely, definitely not the case. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out. Remember, you want to be a part of the show. All you got to do is just call in applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Or you can wait until new products come out because that's when you all will really do that. Also, thank you to our Patreon supporters at the Platinum Apple $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you so much for your contributions. And thank you all of you who continue to support my work and my content at every level. Uh, it's amazing, and like I said, we're we're getting close to four years. Four freaking years. I mean, that is crazy to me. It feels like two. It really does, but maybe part of it is because the pandemic kind of took two years away from us. But thank you so much for your continued support. Um, I can do nothing but say thanks, keep on chugging away, and you know, keep on bringing it with all the content that we have. So looking forward to spring. We're getting we're getting closer to that March-April time frame. And if March 8th is indeed when the Apple keynote happens, then that means we'll, we'll have some juicy stuff to talk about pretty soon. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. We'll see you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Take care and be safe, y'all. Peace. Peace.